Today's guest is Mickey Legault. Here's our job talk with a construction project manager. Welcome to the Job Talk podcast, where we talk with people who love their jobs. Our guests open up about their challenges, surprises, and secrets to success in their industries. Through conversation, we explore their careers, past work experiences, and the education that got them to where they are now. I'm going to start your story back in when you were in high school, and I want to know if what kind of a student you were. And when you were in high school, did you know that one day you were eventually going to end up in the construction industry? Uh, no, not at all. Uh, back in high school, I was not a terrible student. Um, I was there. I was proactive. I did well in my classes. I was actually achieving honors in most of them. So I uh, struggled a bit in English because uh, I haven't been formally di- diagnosed with dyslexia, but I do struggle in that area. Um, had you told me I'd ended up in construction, not a clue. Uh, I probably would have told you I would have been a cop. You graduate from high school. Uh, what is your first step? Did you immediately jump into post-secondary or what, what happened after you left high school? No, I didn't know what to do. So I took a couple of odd jobs that I thought would help me progress into what I wanted to become. So uh, through high school, I was working full time as a swamper for a delivery company doing stuff for Visions and Future Shop. And then I moved into uh, that led me to an opportunity um, doing security for Securitas Canada as a mobile supervisor, kind of pushing me towards that law enforcement thing. Um, at which point I got engaged to my wife, married, and, uh, she kind of said, well, you know, what are you going to do to take your next steps? So I got a lot of guidance from her. And at that point I'd gone back to being a delivery driver and I had actually, we delivered to Canada place, which led me into looking into a career for D and D cause they had their career station set up there. So, um, I went and applied with them thinking get into combat arms and then come out of that with some gun training and stuff like that, some real life experience. So yeah. And then kind of, as I was leaving the D and had my first kit, I was, it was, we were kind of ripe in the Afghanistan war and I didn't quite think that was the price where I wanted to raise my family. So uh, I started working a little bit with the combat engineer that was attached to our unit and saw that he was doing carpentry around the building and stuff like that. And uh, I was lucky to get put into a position as 2IC at Stables NTO, um, which was just kind of building maintenance and stuff like that. So I didn't, I got to just kind of see how the back end of things of that, all that worked. And it really sparked my interest. So coming out of the military, uh, I thought, I wanted to be somewhere warm and dry. And (laughs) so I thought uh, renovations was a good place to move into, uh, which led me to an interview with Quadrant Construction. Oh, uh, I'll just uh, I'll just pause you there for a second. A DND uh, you mentioned earlier is the Department of National Defense. Oh yes, yes, yeah. The Department of and Defense. so you had a military career. Um, how, how many years uh, did you serve? Uh, the contracts before were a little different, so I served three years uh, as a armored soldier. So uh, okay. learned to drive tank and. 
do some fun things there. So. What, what experiences did you have uh, serving that you think you use in your job now? Was, was there anything that you learned there that you think you apply now? Um, talking to some of our customers and stuff like that, uh, I, they definitely feel like there's uh, a professional, a bunch of professionalism that comes off me. Um, you know, just, uh, I don't know, I guess they just, they feel like I have it together, I guess. And they say, you know, you speak with a lot of confidence, you're polite, you're patient, you wait, you know, to kind of hear our sides of things. So. Uh, the military definitely um, helped me grow up quite a bit. So, and well, it's uh, really easy to learn manners when uh, <laughs> there's repercussions. Well, you probably <laughs> learn a lot of discipline. So, um, yeah. <laughs> you know what? I thank you for your service. I'll never say thank you for your service to a politician, but I, I do say that <laughs> to people that that uh, serve in the military. Um, okay, so you had a three-year. Co- uh, career in the military. Um, I believe that's when you started to get interested in maybe uh, looking at the trades. Let's talk about your post-secondary and what you took to um, enter into the world of trades. Uh, well, there wasn't much for me. I know there's some introductory courses into carpentry and stuff like that that you can take if you have an ambition to go into the trades. That'll kind of give you your first year of carpentry or millwork or uh, cabinet making. Um, but for me, it was just kind of, i like I said, I got to spend a little bit of time with the combat engineer that was attached to our unit and he was doing, uh, what sticks out in my mind, he was doing wainscoting upstairs for, um, kind of the, where the officers, uh, of the unit got to hang out and it really sparked an interest there. So, um, after I left there, then. Uh, I applied for my job at Quadrant Construction and it was granted to me. I started as a laborer and then uh, from there I was told, well, you know, our, our expectation is we'd like to make you a red tick or a red seal carpenter. So you, you need to attend Nate for two months for the next four years. So um, that is my post-secondary training. So uh, I've got eight months of schooling directly related to carpentry uh, through Nate and uh, a Red Seal certification. For our listeners, uh, Nate is the Northern Alberta Institute of Technology in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Uh, how was your experience at Nate? What are the courses like? Um, is there any stress involved? Um, <laughs> are you writing exams as well? Or is it all show me what you can do? Um, well, Nate, uh, I it's changed in a few years from talking to my apprentices, but when I went through, it was pretty much, uh, you get so many hours of shop time where you get to be on, uh, a lot of the stationary tools that you don't necessarily get to touch while you're on the job because, you know, a lot of the times you're just using portable tools. Um, uh, the classroom time was yeah, kind of similar to what you'd find in high school, right? You had a, an instructor in front of you, you're going through, uh, you got to get through certain criteria. Uh, we did have modules that we kind of walked through, uh, safeties, probably a good two weeks of every year because it's, well, it's super important to the trades, right? So, yeah. uh, you kind of want to keep your fingers, toes and your life. So yeah. they really drill it into you there. Um, 
Yeah, but uh, my experiences was positive. I had uh, some fantastic instructor, instructors that were there. So uh, they they had lots of experience in the trade. Uh, some of them themselves had been project managers for a time, uh, but some were just lead hands on construction sites or uh, a few of them had been in the administration side of it for a while, but they all had input and value to what you were there learning. What is the difference between a red seal uh, journeyman carpenter and just a journeyman carpenter? The benefit of the red seal is I can practice carpentry uh, throughout any province. Uh, okay. Basically the biggest difference, uh, it just shows you have a firmer grasp on the uh, building code is where they okay. put a lot more pressure. It's it's added on to uh, your fourth year of carpentry and it's just an extra test. If you fail the test, you're still a carpenter within Alberta. Yeah. You're just, uh, you don't have the qualification to go anywhere else. And the, the biggest difference to me is that, uh, that I understand is it's just on the building code itself. They, they put a little more emphasis and they, they really want to make sure that you have a full grasp and understanding of that. Can you write the test more than once or is it a one, one shot and you're done? <laughs> you do get multiple opportunities to do it. So while you're at school, they'll give you the two hours. If you fail again, you can go back in and challenge the exam again. So, Okay. Let's talk about uh, the company that you work for. Uh, it's Quadrant. Uh, could you talk a little bit about uh, what you guys do, what the company is all about? And then we'll we'll talk about... Um, some of your experiences in the position that you're you're in. Okay, uh, yeah. Uh, so Quadrant Construction, we're a general contractor. Uh, we do new builds, um, infills. We our bread and butter is mostly renovations, though. So, that's where we. That's kind of what uh, we're best known for in Edmonton, and where a lot of our previous customers have come from. Maybe you can talk a little bit about the the stages uh, working your way up to project manager. Yeah, so uh, I kind of did it the old school way, which is was nice. You know, you start at the bottom and you work your way up. Yep. Uh, so I was hired on as a laborer. Once they were happy that I was a good fit for the company, I was offered my apprenticeship for carpentry. Uh, I went through my carpentry program, learning from multiple journeyman persons on, uh, you know, renovate or um, carpentry specific to renovations. So, um, yeah, I've got a really well-rounded experience there. Um, I'm luckier than most, and I got to spend three years of my career on a new build uh, for a customer. It was a very large home uh it was a uh, between the basement um main floor and second floor and the garage it was a fifteen thousand square foot property or home so it was a very large uh very beautiful home in the end and and i spent three the three years there um learning the ins and outs at a I would say a higher level than a lot of people get to experience just because it's uh, a lot of finesse and a lot of care needs to be taken into 
when you get into some pretty high-end finishes that you don't, don't normally see anywhere else. It was a really great experience for me. It really boosted my confidence, feeling like, yeah, I can do this. And then uh, from there, I went and got my fourth year of carpentry and finished off my ticket. And uh, I feel like I was put in opportunities where I was allowed for growth. I was left kind of more in charge of jobs, dealing with the trades. Again, not fully on the backside of things, but definitely learning the front end, which is probably, in my opinion, is pretty more important than the back end. <laughs> Uh, you can learn the back end stuff. Somebody can teach you, you know, how to do invoicing, how to properly schedule a job and this and that, but, uh, that real front end experience, knowing how the job's being done, knowing how you need to coordinate your trades. Um, yeah. And dealing with people, which is really the biggest part of project managing I find is just being able to, you got to work. You got to play nice with others because everybody's going to have a different opinion on how to do stuff or what they want or what the customer needs or what the designer wants. And you either have to step up and say, yeah, we can deliver this or you've got to pull everybody back down and say, guys, kind of where we're going with this is unreasonable. Let's maybe step back and redesign and work as a team to kind of see where we want to go. I, I like uh, that you're learning from the ground up. And I'm wondering if the people that were uh, the owners or the management of the company that were watching your career, do they, do, are you applying to become a project manager or do they just know that you're, they know you and they know your work ethic and what you've been doing. And then one day they come to you and say, would you like to be project manager? Or do they say you're now the project manager? <laughs> well, um, Again, from my experience uh, in particular, um, I was in that lead hand kind of position. And then our uh, quadrant construction was sold about six, seven years ago to our new owner, Jamie. Um, fantastic gentleman. And I'd been working with him for about a year or two um, as his lead hand while he was project managing. Um, and then when he decided to buy the company and move forward, uh, that left a hole for project managers who he asked me if I would like to fill it. So, uh, yeah, I jumped on the opportunity to kind of move up the ladder once again. So, yeah. And that's great that you work for a company that allows you to grow. So you weren't in a, a dead end situation. What, what do you love about the work that you do? Uh, I definitely love about the work is just, uh, that people aspect again, like dealing with people kind of making sure it's kind of all coming together the way it's supposed to. Uh, what I hear from a lot of clients is, you know, I, I, I can see it on paper, but I don't know what it's going to look like, even with 3D renderings and stuff. And then when they finally get into their home at the last time, they're like, wow, this is okay. This is more than I imagined. That's a pretty satisfying feeling. It's it's not that I'm necessarily the guy on the tools, but I, I know I was there helping facilitate it. So it's a different kind of uh, gratification than it was for me eight years ago, where it was like, hey, I did build that. And that is part of the part you're really proud of. But now I get to go, well, okay. I brought all these people together to make sure it happened. So do you have a project that stands out as one of your favorites, do you think? 
if you if you were to put a portfolio together is there one that kind of <laughs> you feel the best about uh as a project manager or as a carpenter <laughs> let's do that as a two-part question as a carpenter and then as a project manager uh, as a carpenter i would definitely say that first one i was involved with that that extremely large house was just really satisfying as a favorite project it was I got to see every facet of construction and then unfortunately I got to see some things go wrong as well. So, you but know, you learn from it, you learn from it. So, yeah. Um, but the end result of that house was just mind blowing when we, you know, we think back to all the man hours that went into it was just yeah. unreal. And then, um, as stuff I've currently done as a project manager, um, I felt really good about uh, one I worked on last year, year before. Sorry, the years are all blending together because of COVID. It was just a super fantastic project. You really got to bring it down to the bare bones and we really changed that space. That homeowner in particular, he was not a micromanager. Um, he was extremely involved in the project, which was fascinating to me. I know that will bother some people, as, uh, but I I really enjoyed it because he was there. He was in-depth. He was super engaged. He always wanted to know what was happening. And I was able to walk him through the job and kind of lead him through where he wanted to be. And he got to see, I think it was a great experience for him. I know he walked away from that job quite pleased with uh, how everything went. He was he was really happy, uh, what he called with, uh, at the end of the job, white glove service. So he really felt like he was well taken care of. So that's, that's something you should be proud of. What are some of your challenges in, in your work? And you know what, we might touch on, I actually, at the end of it, I'm hoping maybe you can talk about the supply chain. Is that a major oh. challenge for you <laughs> these days? Yeah, uh, that the COVID has definitely put a new learning curve on the job for sure. So um, things you took granted before, you're definitely pre-thinking about now. As soon as you're handed the job, you're going, okay, I've got to get on ordering material so I can even see when we can start. So um, yeah, it's definitely, and you still get caught with surprises that you're not expecting. Um Sorry, what yeah, maybe, was the first part to your yeah. question? <laughs> so we'll go with the with the first part of the question. And uh, the supply chain problem isn't going to be forever. Eventually, it'll... Hopefully it'll, not. <laughs> exactly. So maybe it would be better to talk about uh, in your day-to-day work, what, what are some of the challenges that you come up against? You've got to be very clear uh, on your timelines with particular trades saying, yeah, I definitely need you in here at this time of opening the window. You're always keeping an open line of communication with these guys saying, okay, I'm three weeks out from when I need you here. Can you still make it? Yeah. Two weeks later or the next week, you're two weeks out from when I need you here. Are you still going to make it? The next week? Yeah. Are you still going to make it? And then your typical answer is like, well, I'm going to be three days late. Okay, perfect. So now you're rearranging your schedule to kind of accommodate it. But uh, if you're on them, you can get ahead of it as opposed to getting caught with a surprise. So the, the challenge is just definitely making sure that people are committing to their timelines. And then, uh, yeah, occasionally, like you kind of get into the, the difficulty with material. Um, 
you know, stuff you take for granted that should be at the store you go to pick up and I don't have any. And you call the next door, I don't have any. And you call the next door, we haven't had any for months. Wow. And we're ordering it. I've been told it's been on I've one particular molding I was looking for, just something to stick to the wall for a customer. He's like, we ordered it in January. I still don't know where it is. He's like, it comes out of Cuba or Chile and it's still on a sea train somewhere <laughs> or a sea can yeah. somewhere, <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> so these, these are all headaches for you. Um, I, I can imagine, I can see the frustration on both you and your client. Um, but what can you do in situations like that? Um, sometimes, uh, the hardest thing to do is to have that conversation with the customer right off the go and say, you're going to have to be flexible on some things. I will do everything in my power to pre-order what I can get, but there will become a time where I come to you and say, I, I just can't get it. So it's either we sacrifice timeline on your job and we wait. And if it's holding up other trades before we get this done, it is what it is. Cause you really want this product or, you know, uh, we pivot, we pick a similar product that's available to us and it might change some of the design intent, but we can move forward with it. it do you have a preference between working on a residential or a commercial uh, job? My bread and butter has been residential, so I find it uh, it's definitely a little easier. I really did enjoy my commercial experience, experience though, so I would be more than happy to do another project going forward. Um, it was a different experience. The The trades in residential versus uh, commercial are a little different, right? The expectations a little different. They want to come in, do their job, get out of there. You know, they're pretty bang, bang. They're usually larger trades that have lots of guys under them. They have one foreman and the people that are coming in, they've got a set of plans and they want to follow that set of plans and they're going to make it happen. And they're fantastic at it. <clears throat> but if something changes in that, you know, there was a change that got missed on those plans. Uh, residential, it's a lot easier to catch. Yeah. Commercial, it, the building's so big, there's so much square footage. It 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 can be a challenge to make sure that uh, that change got disseminated to all the right hands. Is there anything you wish you knew uh, before you accepted the position of project manager that you know now after doing it for a few years? <laughs> um, I guess the fiscal side of things. You know, looking at numbers and getting engaged with that, like, uh, you know, renovations are expensive, people are expensive, trades are expensive, labor is expensive. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of justification to it. Um, you know, everybody wants to make a good wage. Everybody wants to make a working wage. And if you own your own business, you want to make, you know, good profit for your company. Nobody wants to work for free. What kind of advice could you give somebody that wants to climb the ranks uh, in a construction company to end up at a project manager position? Uh, anybody that wants to get into this position, I think, A, uh, you got to make sure you're in the right company, right? There has to be that opportunity to, for growth. Otherwise, it's not going to happen. Some companies are just looking for, um, you know, people to do the labor and that's kind of it. Um, be exceptional though, take pride in your work. You know, if you want to climb that ladder, uh, shine, understand things, uh, project management, definitely for sure. There's a far greater understanding of what your trades are doing. So, um, 
I was always interested in everything I was doing and I had the opportunity and was encouraged to go talk to that plumber, learn what he's doing. Why is he doing it? How can you anticipate helping him next time he needs to do it? See what the electrician's doing. Why is he doing it that way? Right? Um, just kind of being engaged and learning not just what you're doing, but what the people around you are doing and what it takes to get those jobs done is probably your first step. If you can anticipate knowing exactly what the drywaller is going to need after you're done because you're framing, then you've already kind of anticipated that. If you know, you know, you've got to get a plumbing stack uh, up a wall and it's coming in as the carpenter on site, you should be able to anticipate that and make it work and make it easier for your your trades you're supporting. That's something, the first thing somebody's going to notice is, hey, he's not just thinking about what he's doing. He's thinking three steps ahead, right? And that's basically project management. You're not thinking about what's in front of you. You're thinking, thinking about the next three steps. Has there been any surprises to you over your career oh. that stand out? <laughs> surprise. Is that too, Every is that time too we open a wall, it's a surprise. Um, the biggest thing I can say in, uh, in the renovation worlds as surprises there should definitely be more regulation to trades. Uh, I think people should have trade certifications for sure if they're doing anything. And I think those trade certifications for some of the subtrades should be more rigorous. I think for electricians and plumbers and uh, sheet metal workers that they should have to take a structural course in the building. Uh, I don't know how many times I've opened up you know, stuff that was renovated in the 80s or the 90s or even the early 2000s where they've cut right through structural members and you did not realize you were probably only standing on an inch of floor when it should have been 10. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I guess that's, that's always a surprise to me and I'm always floored every time we do a renovation on just how much of the structure sometime can be missing. I know uh, my sister did a renovation in her house um, and it's out east in Ontario where houses are a little bit older than in Western Canada and she uh, she found some old news clippings in the in the wall from a uh, hundred years ago. Yeah. Uh, have you ever found anything interesting behind a, a wall? Has there as a hot tub ever shown up <laughs> under a floor? <laughs> uh, no. Um... Although some of my neighbors might get a surprise when they go to sell because uh, I've, there was a pool, the guy behind me, he's totally floored it in uh, with just crushed gravel. And I'm pretty sure that the new owners don't have a clue that there was ever something there. <laughs> um, I, I've actually, we worked on a house from uh, 1908 in the last couple of years we were doing a renovation on and uh, I was crawling through their attic and found uh, a letter to the bank uh, explaining to why he um, was unable to process his payments for the last couple of times because he had got, oh, I can't remember, it was smallpox or dysentery or something, just 
something, something awful. awful that was going around yeah. her polio and uh they were asking him how much cattle he had and you know what are you able to use as collateral and stuff like yeah. this but it was all just you know odd handwritten stuff yeah it's always fun to find things in the walls and stuff like that uh actually that uh, that project we were working on again their son actually decided to put a time capsule in between some of uh, the cabinets. So the next time somebody goes to renovate that in hopefully 30 or 40 years, uh, they'll get a nice surprise, right? So, Well, I think um, a career in the trades can lead you to uh, important work and good positions uh, and positions that you, you can be proud of. So... Uh, Mickey, I think you you gave us a lot of good information today, and I just want want to thank you for for joining us on the podcast today. Yeah, well, it was a pleasure. Uh, I'm always around if there's a part two. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for tuning in to the Job Talk podcast. For more information, please visit us at thejobtalk.com.